Well, we're at the time of the school year where we have the final this and the final that, and uh, you've had your final finals, and lots of good things like that have occurred. But some of these final times together are important because they're times that we remember. And uh, this is our final regular chapel. At 9 o'clock on Friday, we'll have our testimony chapel. I trust you'll be praying about that, that God will stir your heart in regard to what you ought to, uh, to give uh, at that time as an encouragement. But this final regular chapel, I'd like to go to a chapter that we often refer to. And I am sure that Timothy often would go to that letter that the Apostle Paul had written to him. We don't know whether Timothy actually got to see the Apostle Paul again. My sense is he probably did not. The urgency of that final epistle, even though he says, would you come, um, probably states that uh, shows us that uh, Nero put it into the Apostle's life maybe before Timothy got there. But whether, whether he did or not, this was the last inspired letter that Timothy had, and so those words burned into his mind and into his heart. And you know, it's hard to sum up uh, a year, for some of you four or five years, <clears throat> as we come to the end of, <clears throat> of your time. And I'd like to go to this chapter that I am sure um, Timothy may have even carried with him, and that of course is 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy gives a number of key aspects of ministry. In fact, uh, we spent quite a bit of time a while back looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2, which is the chapter that gets back to basic Christianity, what um, generational Christianity is, uh, reaching others and discipling them and what that means and how we should live. All of that is very, very important. And one of the things that I believe the Apostle Paul was concerned about both in First and Second Timothy was that Timothy was already showing some of the tendencies to be pressured by the issues that are going around him. And that tendency is very real. He also had the tendency to let his youth, of course his youth was probably in his 40s, but it's a different mentality of that day, but uh, allowing himself to be a little bit intimidated, a little bit pressured. And you find in both of these epistles, the apostle is very strong under inspiration to keep on with a strong conscience, to keep on with a faithful perspective to the Word of God. And these things command and teach. He said, if you're going to lead the church, you've got to lead it according to all that the Word of God says. And young people, as we uh, finish out these chapel sessions, I really do want to encourage you to realize there's only one standard, and it's this book. And I don't mean to be overly general about it, but our ideas don't change this book. No one else's ideas, no generation changes. This is the Word of God. This came from the heart of the Creator God. And I'm telling you, everything we do Every method that we have, every decision that we make, every lifestyle choice that we make must come from God's heart. That's the only place where there is blessing. Uh, this college is founded upon God's Word. We'll sing that, of course, 
uh, in the final coda of the uh, hymn on Sunday when our seniors are marching in. And uh, it's always a stirring time, but it is founded on God's Word. But your life, your thought patterns, anything that's going to ever count will be according to this book. But we have such a tendency to think, well, new generation, we've got to be creative, come up with new ideas. I've been there, believe me. I remember my early years in the ministry and uh, trying to think of how we could improve things. And that's not all bad. Because you do have a new generation to live in. You do need to be uh, very much astute and, uh, and, and do things extremely well. And God will use, but it all has to be in full accordance with the Word of God. And I'm telling you, the Word of God has power. And when you are right there. But young people, the reason I'm saying this is I promise you, you're going to, just to be faithful to God's Word, you're going to be radical in the next 10 years. You're going to be facing, are you willing to have a church that might be put out of business by just saying that homosexuality is a sin? That you would not marry two men or two women? And on we can go. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing for some of the consequences that are going to be occurring just to have your church open these are things that you're going to be facing. And honestly, the big decisions are going to be based on the little decisions of whether or not with your peers you're willing to be precisely biblical. You're willing to, to do right. You're willing to have a good conscience. It's going to be in how you handle your family, how you handle your marriage, how you handle your courtship, the, the matters of how you handle your personal life, those conscience issues are going to mark whether or not you have the strength at the time when the pressure is on to take the right stand. I alluded to that on Monday. Well, turn with me here. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I want to read a few of these verses and just look at this. And I want you to keep this in mind because, you know, Timothy was facing a tough time. There had been persecution but nothing like was going to be coming up. And so Timothy was going to be faced with a lot of pressures, the pressures of the different heresies that were flying around, and then of course this pressure to stand against the imperial government of a madman and then subsequent emperors. And he says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, Make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Boy, what a testimony. I finished my course. 
I can tell you, for those of us that have had the privilege of being a part of your lives for these years, uh, we won't be around to see you finish your ministry unless uh, you have a short ministry. And, uh, and just a, you know, two or three decades worth. But anyway, we won't be around for that. But I am, I am looking forward to hearing when I'm in glory he finished his course. He's about to come home. And he, he fought a good fight. He didn't give up. He kept the faith. I can't think of a greater thrill. That young lady that sat in that chapel, she stayed strong. She reared her children to serve God. She stood by her husband as he fearlessly stood for the faith. She's about to come home, and you can greet her because she finished her course. I can't tell you of any, there's nothing else in life that would be more thrilling to any of these leaders here in this room than to have that said of your life. You see, we want you to do well today. We certainly want you to do well in the next few years, but I'm looking out to 10, 20, 30 years. We're endeavoring to invest in your life so that you will be biblical, consistent, faithful, strong, multiplying, powerful Christians into a whole new era of this world of the Lord tarries. And uh, so that's really what this is about. So let me bring just several simple things, but uh, it's good I think here at this time of year for us to remind ourselves uh, of of some of these points. First of all, we find there in verse 1, he says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. He said, I'm charging you, Timothy, because Jesus is real. It's in his presence, and he's going to judge the quick and the dead when he comes back. But it's all about him. Already in the, the service we've had a, a touch of that emphasis. But the, the thing that I would like to, to urge you to realize that Jesus is real. Now, I know that's a simple thought, but he is real. You know, we live in such a secular mentality. You get busy with your life. You get out doing what you're going to do this, this summer. I'm telling you, He's real. He is on the throne. And He is present and He will be manifest in your life by the Spirit of the living God. I think one of the, the key aspects to keeping strong is you've got to think Jesus. You've got to be aware of His person. You've got to understand you're going to give an account to Him at the judgment seat of Christ. That this is, you know, it seems so far off, and I have reminded you a number of times, the trumpet could sound today, it wouldn't surprise me at all. We were just talking today about how every country in the world's got the same problem right now. It's like they're all connected. Uh, things have never lined up as they have lined up right now uh, for the coming of the Lord. But I think it, I'm on the one side, even so come Lord Jesus. On the other side, I've got neighbors to win. I've got a, we've got unreached people groups to get to. And so... You get a mixed feeling about that, and that's not bad if it's for that, that purpose. But if it, he did come within the next couple of months, 
you'd stand at the judgment seat of Christ. You may not have 20, 30, 40, 50 years before you, you stand there. Jesus is real. He's a person. He is very much affected by you. He is on the throne. He has compassion for you. He is moved with the feelings of your infirmities. He wants you to come to the throne of grace so you can receive mercy. He is ready to act. He wants your life to be his, his instrument and representative. His work is continuing on. But I guess it's a simple thought, but think Jesus. When you get up in the morning, what do you want me to do? My life's not my own. You, he says, I charge you before the one that you're going to, in whom you will be judged at his appearing. And uh, it's so important that we have that kind of heart. And I'd like you to think just even right now, how much do you think about him? How real is he to you? You see, if it's just doctrine, and doctrine's the basis upon which we know Christ, but if it's just doctrine, that's scary. You could be persuaded otherwise. But I'm telling you, young people, when you meet with him, day by day by day, you're going to be loyal to him because there's no one that is more lovely than Jesus Christ. And you can't be dissuaded about living for him. But if you go days without a real awareness of his presence and it's, it's, it's just what you believe, it's, it's how you act, it's a set of conduct uh, uh, parameters that you keep within, you will have a real crisis down the road. You know, uh, when, if anybody would ever talk against my father, and I've never had that happen. Have you ever had that happen, Doctor? A couple times. Okay, that's right, you're out on the field. I, maybe they're afraid of me more than you. You're just such a nice guy. <laughs> but uh, I've had, I don't have, have anybody speak against my father. But it wouldn't matter what people said about my father, I knew him. I knew him closely. I worked with him every day. I, know, I knew his heart. And it didn't matter what they might say that he believed. And I've had people, I actually have had somebody say, yeah, your dad believed this. And I said, no, sorry about that. <laughs> you don't know he believed this. And uh, that I know absolutely. Um, but uh, it's no problem. I mean, you, you can't change my opinion to my father because I knew him. I was close to him. And I walked with him. He's very real to me, even after all these years. And my friends, when you walk with Jesus, nobody can dissuade you about him. Nobody can talk. To, listen, anybody that tries to get you to live anything less than a really holy life can't do it when you're walking with the holy Jesus. When you have the Holy Spirit uh, in control of your heart. You just, it, it, you, it's there's something in you that says, I cannot disappoint this one because my Savior would not live this way. Jesus would not sit down and watch popular television. He would not do it. He would not be trite on social media. I can guarantee you that. He would not condone immodesty 
or the lack of distinction in this day in which you have this horrible attack upon creation and the reality of what the Bible says. Jesus, in fact, quoted himself in all of those different areas that I just talked to you about. No, when you walk with Jesus, you know his heart. When you walk with Jesus, you can't help but be loyal to him. So my real encouragement to you is don't just hold on to some these things you've been taught. That's good. The Bible says that. But the way to really enforce it is when you know him and you know him through the word of God, uh, it makes all the difference. And that leads then to verse 2. We need to be obedient to this one that we know and love. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. All the girls say, phew, that doesn't apply to me. Now the best preachers probably out of this group are going to be the ladies, sorry fellas. Uh, they know how to cut, cut it straight. I have had many a message from my dear mother and uh, she, and she was pretty good homiletically, too. I mean, she was very clear, very precise. By the way, uh, Mrs. Gilmore is a very good preacher. I don't know if you've noticed that. She, uh, she, she's very humble and keeps submissive, and she's under male leadership. But I'm telling you, if she was a man, it would be really dangerous. If she could. <laughs> it's probably a good thing, we, or we'd be all skinned alive, you know. But uh, no, she's very gracious. Uh, but, but honestly, uh, as I mentioned on... Uh, Sunday morning, one of the greatest preachers, uh, um, you know, many of the men would say that the greatest preachers they knew were, the, were their mother. So it, it applies to all of us. But here's what I want to say. When you walk with Jesus, you're going to talk about Jesus. Simple thoughts. Preach the word. It means to herald the word. It's the idea of the old herald that had the, had the uh, responsibility before all the mass communication we have to go out and to, the trumpet would blow and everybody would come around and he would give a formal proclamation from the king and this is what the king said. Everybody wanted to hear it because they better know what the king said. Well it's that kind of an idea is that when we know what's on the heart of Jesus we're going to declare it. And let me ask you to, to ask the Lord to do something for you this summer. Don't let soul winning be a duty that you just need to do because you have to do it. Hasn't that been a problem even here at times, right? If you're walking with Jesus, you got to talk about him. If soul winning's a, listen, if soul winning is a duty that's hard, then you're not walking with Jesus like you should. His presence is not real. You talk about people that you care about. You, know, you get around somebody that uh, is uh, courting and you're one of the few people that know about it at that point, you just better realize you're going to hear a lot about that person because they're all excited to tell you the next this and the, the next that and, and you enjoy hearing it. It's, it's fine. A boy is a parent. You just spend hours talking to your kids about this person that they are absolutely uh, overjoyed about and you want to spend that time listening to him. No problem. Listen, if you have a problem talking about somebody you really care about, you've got a problem. And, uh, but simple thought here that uh, heralding the word ought to be instant, in season, out of season, 
we need to be willing to give strongly the Word of God. Let me just encourage you now this summer. Don't go any period of time without witnessing. And you need to go right to your pastor and say, what can I do? I'll teach a class. I'll do anything you want me to do. If he says go to, go to uh, of course you can't get in prisons and nursing homes right now still, but uh, wherever you want me to go, and if you don't, he doesn't have a place for you to go, the parks are open. You can talk to people there. I remember that when I was in college. I just, there was, I would begin to wake up. There's, a, there's people everywhere. But uh, get yourself in a place where you can communicate the truth. If you haven't talked to someone that's lost and someone that's a needy Christian at least several times a week, you're not where you ought to be in your relationship to the Lord. I mean, I can just, just mark it down. You're, you know what you're doing is you're just possessed with yourself. I got to work hard, I got to get money, I got to do this, I got to do that, and you're just, you, but isn't that the same problem you face here? You get so uh, tunnel vision, you miss out on what God has for you. Honestly, I always look forward to when we gather back together, but I would love to hear of a multitude of souls saved this summer. That would just be thrilling. And that's happened at times. And I'm telling you, it makes a difference in the next school year when there has been that kind of, uh, uh, of a reality. Now, you need to be ready all the time, when it's easier and when it's not easier. And in the matter of ministry, there is the whole aspect of reproving, to correct, convince, rebuke means to, uh, uh, to censor severely, to deal with things. Exhort means to encourage, to lift up, and, um, and then uh, with all longsuffering and with the teaching of the truth of God's Word. And that, you, that can only happen at your stage in life if you are so walking with the Lord that there's the sweet grace of God in which people will listen to you. But here's what I want to get across. All right, you got someone that, you're, that means a lot to you, maybe a friend back at, at, um, at your home or somewhere you're going to be with, with people that uh, are somewhat your age and you value, and they all of a sudden start pushing back against some things that are important to believe question about really the, is soul winning really what we ought to do? Believe it or not, people will, will, will do that. Or giving a really wrong perspective on repentance and what that means in soul winning. Or you're, you're going to hear uh, intellectualism or you're going to hear a weakness when regarding a uh, stand in different areas. He said, uh, you need to be a herald of the truth, and you need to be willing to be honest, and to be a, a kind but very firm blessing. You'll never, you'll never be able to take a stand unless you're willing to verbalize what you believe. And uh, uh, so I can guarantee you, most every one of you are going to face a situation in which you're going to be a little bit under pressure. It doesn't mean you go around correcting everybody. But when there is a legitimate situation where you have an opportunity to speak, and if you don't speak, they think you agree with them. That's really the main thing I'm, I'm talking about. Then you need to say something. And uh, you don't have to say it in a, 
ugly way or a, a, a provocative way, but just say, you know, I'm not, I think we need, we need to rethink that. You know, it still is important. Social drinking is not biblical. <laughs> you need to say it. You need to say it. You can really help a lot of people because they're so used to everybody just sort of going along uh, or, or whatever might come up and uh, they might be saying it's all right to do all this with the opposite gender before you get married. And you ought to say, no, wait a second. Let's, you look at the scripture. The Bible makes it clear a male-female relationship outside of marriage is to be pure. And we need to hold to that if we're going to have good consciences today. I'm telling you, one very kind statement like that is powerful. It is powerful. It could save a person's life. By the way, your siblings, when you get home, again, don't be pushy. Don't be arrogant. Don't be proud. Don't be a know-it-all. But if when they're talking and you act like you're going along, you're, you're, you're going to really hurt your own soul. And you can be a great, great blessing. And so uh, this is what the Apostle Paul was trying to tell Timothy. Don't capitulate to the pressure. Now, why am I saying this? What you do this summer is going to be what you do 10 years from now. If you're a wimp now, you're going to be a super wimp then. I'm telling you, taking a stand is the hardest and most uncomfortable and miserable thing to do. I've had to leave boards of my, with my dearest friends with tears and then crying in the car when I left. It's no fun. It's not something you do, I'm going to take a stand for Christ. I'm telling you, it just about breaks you when you have to do it. What about your church? When all of a sudden, people are going to start pressuring about certain kinds of music, certain kinds of lifestyle. And you're the pastor, what are you going to do? You're going to capitulate for peace? See, those things aren't the most important things. But you, if you do not stand with the truth because you're walking with Jesus, you will not be able to lead to the fullness of blessing that God wants. So what I'm trying to say is your training right now for ministry is really goes on steroids in the next three months. Everything you've learned is now part of your conscience, as I mentioned Monday, and are you willing to follow the Lord here, have that relationship with the Lord, and freely, lovingly say, no, this is what the Bible says. Be glad to look at it with you. God's really convicted me about that. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to a movie theater anymore. Unbelievable in fundamental churches, that's pretty common. I'm not going to watch that kind of thing anymore. I'm not going to go to that kind of place anymore. It's because I love the Lord and this isn't right. I'm not going to talk like that about a girl or a guy. I'm not going to do that because this is too sacred. And you can do it without being judgmental. It's got to come from a heart that's walking with the Lord. But I'm telling you, if you don't do it now, you won't do it later. I know that. I remember being in college and every man here uh, that was in college a while back, you can look at your friends and the ones that stood true then still are standing true now, right? And those that were very popular then because they capitulated, capitulated pretty fast when they got out. It uh, is the way it works. And then verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves 
teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Simply do not say what people want to hear just because they want to hear it. By the way, the gospel, you've got to tell folks they're going to hell the right way. You've got to tell them they're sinners. You can't just win a person to Christ by saying, God's got a wonderful plan for your life. No, you've got to say, God has eternity for you and he died for you. But it's a matter of saving us from our sins. And we will be in judgment. And it's the same thing for believers. But here's where I want to go, verse 5. But watch thou in all things endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. I'm sure you've thought more about this in the last one year than than you've probably thought your whole life. But, the, but there is going to be the enduring of afflictions. And young people, there's two different ways that you have afflictions. God is constantly working on your life and he wants to purify you. And no two trials are, no two people have the same type of trials normally. Uh, I had had some unique trials. Dr. Jim had unique trials. Each of us have had unique trials. And we've got to realize that God is good, and everything God does is good. Everything God allows can be good for us, even though Satan meant it for evil. Now, young people, sometimes an affliction will come along. When Sam Ewan started his college career, he didn't expect to be out these semesters, going through awful treatment problems. I believe God's going to, is doing, and God's going to do something very special for Sam. And we, by the way, don't forget to pray for him, and that he gets that uh, bone marrow transplant. That's going to be very, very key. And, uh, and God may allow you to go through something totally different, not maybe in this summer, maybe it would be at different times. But even the little disappointments, all of those afflictions are for your good. And whenever you get frustrated, when things don't go your way, you're missing what God wants. I remember when Pastor Tun from Romania came to our church and I got to go back to Romania where he was pastor later. He said the one thing, he was in prison for years uh, under the Romanian regime and he said the one thing I can't get over is how American believers waste their trials. He said the greatest thing that ever happened to us was being imprisoned and, and losing our homes and everything else because we learned who Jesus was and God changed us and God created a great movement of believers in Romania. But he said Christians have awful things happen and all they do is get frustrated, bitter, and try to endure them uh, in the wrong way. And so if something just frustrating happens this summer, uh, realize God's doing something in my life. And don't get thrown. And by the way, if you have a trial that's appropriate to let us know about, would you call us? We'll pray for you about it. You may face something, a health problem with one of your family members or some financial setback. Or you know, Let us know about those things. Let us know because we do care to pray and uh, that God will really use it for your good. But the other aspect here is you are going to get pushback. I think we have a great open door. I'm positive. I'm going to be preaching about that this summer at a, me a national meeting. I believe this is a great time to serve the Lord, but I also know that you uh, will begin to start sensing that Bible-believing Christianity is not 
politically correct. And uh, you will need to endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. No, it doesn't say be like Dr. Jim. Okay. Um, it means be a revivalist. Focus on the evangel. I as a pastor need to do the work of evangelists, so do you. What does that mean? And here's where I want to end. This was the heart of the Apostle Paul for Timothy. Everywhere you go, you ought to cause revival to happen. You know, what, I sort of, what I've said so far is a little negative. Now, not walking with Jesus, but you've know, you got to take a stand here. You need to speak up here. You gotta, you know, you're going to have these issues happen in your life. But the whole point is God wants us to be the representative of the evangel, Jesus Christ. And the work of an evangelist, is what their work is, is bringing people back to a very vital, real, powerful relationship with Jesus. Now, let me just say this in conclusion. Your family, if your home, should not be the same at the end of the summer because you've been there and brought revival. Your church, even though you're not the one that's leading and you've got to be very careful to be not at all uh, critical or anything, you simply need to bring Jesus to your church and touch a bunch of people with the reality of how good Jesus is. Your pastor ought to tell us when it's over, wow, there was just something very special about having sold and so home in the summer. They just radiated Jesus Christ. There ought to be something happening at your job if you're working on a secular job. There ought to be some people brought under great conviction, don't you think? And there ought to be some salvations. If you're in a Christian camp, it's interesting in Christian camps, there's a variety of different ideas, aren't there? <laughs> <laughs> Many of you could give stories, but you don't go in to be critical, you don't go in to be negative, you go in to bring Jesus and to encourage people. Now, sometimes you're going to have to say, no, I don't think you're right there, let's talk about that biblically. But the main thing they ought to, they ought to see about you is that gal, that guy, he knows something. It's just so real. And, uh, and what you could bring to a cabin, what you could bring to a, a group of people would just be phenomenal. Maybe you're going to work with the missions team. Whatever it is, don't think just humanly. Do the work of an evangelist. And uh, let Christ be seen through you. Make full proof of thy ministry. Just a simple challenge here, but this, these are the last words of Paul to Timothy. In other words, know Jesus. There's no reason having ministry if you're not walking with Him. I don't care how much you do and all the work you do in a church and you know, and all the organization you do and you're an intern. Listen, as an intern you ought to be a super blessing to your pastor by just walking humbly with Jesus. You ought to touch that youth group. There ought to be something that, that they, um, they just they can't quite articulate, but there's something real about you that changes their life. There's the power of God. Do you realize that this group, this summer, is the Savior's revival team for a bunch of places? We may not have next year, but we've got some time ahead of us. I'm telling you, it ought to, it ought to be big. I, I don't want to overstate things. But I'd love to hear in churches where interns are, something happened. On the mission field, something happened. 
your home church, something happened. In your family, something happened. Don't you think that's God's will? Shouldn't there be little fires of, revi of revival all over this country and around the world from this many people? I don't think I'm overstating it. I don't think I'm overstating it. And it's, it's, it's you. You say, I just don't have much to offer. You got Jesus. You got everything to offer. That's the problem. You don't realize who you are because you're not walking with him. When you walk with him, it just becomes so real. I mean, I feel so weak. Dr. Jim would tell you he feels so weak at times. But the thing that keeps us going is the fact, what a savior. And he can do anything. And he's all powerful. He can change people's lives. And he can move and, and just totally change paradigms and change situations when he shows up. When Jesus walks in, everything changes. And so, young people, my heart desire is uh, to see out from this school year, Jesus go everywhere. That your mom and dad are touched by Jesus. That your brothers and sisters see Jesus. That your church is moved by Jesus. Isn't he a wonderful Savior? Show him. Live him. And on and on we could go at the different places that you are to be. God doesn't mean for a revival to be five years from now. I want to make this very clear. This, it's God's will for this to be the summer of revival. This is God's will. I know it is because the Bible says so. See, we keep waiting. Next year. Next year. No, you can have a part in seeing a great work happen. You really need to think about it. But you won't get it unless you have that extended time with the Lord where you walk with Jesus.